Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Maroon Friday edition of The Yard. All the days kind of run together in the summer, don't they? I guess for you guys at work, you know, Monday through Friday, 9 to 5, maybe Friday is a huge day for you. It all kind of runs together for us. But I am happy to have a little downtime. Working on the book a lot. Got a handful of chapters left. We're 15 chapters in. I'll be honest with you, yesterday was a tough one on your good friend and host. It's a tough one. One of the most difficult events in my life. Sober or uh, in the throes of addiction. Very difficult. But we talked about it. That's part of it, man. It's transparency. We all go through life, man. Nobody gets out alive. There are always some ups and downs. There's always adversity. Always something. You know, one thing my dad told me years ago, when I went into multi-store management, my dad used to work for the federal government, Farmers Home Administration. You've heard me talk about that before. Freddie Robertson was his name. Kind of a legend in these parts. Did a lot for Mississippi farmers. And so nevertheless, daddy used to tell me, he said, you know, here's the deal. You need to cherish those days when there's not a lot of people needing something from you because there's always chaos in business and there's chaos in life. When you have those days when you don't have a lot going on, they're few and far between, you need to learn to appreciate them. And so I have uh, reached that point in my life several years ago that when there's not a lot going on, you got to be grateful. So I'm grateful. We don't have any camps to cover. We don't have uh, any ball games to cover. So um, today is going to kind of be a recap show. We're going to look back at um, some recruiting stuff. We're going to talk about some baseball stuff. Pretty cool top ten list, too. We'll get into that. But the reality of it is is that this is kind of the dog days of summer. And, man, guys, be careful out there in that heat. There's a lot of people who have to work out there in that heat, man. Stay hydrated. Put on some sunscreen. Take care of yourselves. We need you around on this side of the grass to help pull for the Bulldogs. But it's one of those deals, man. If, if I ever leave Mississippi, it's not going to be because I'm sick of Mississippi. Because I love all of y'all. I do. I love being here to fight the big maroon cause. But if I ever leave Mississippi, it's going to be because of these summers, man. The older I get, the more it seems to impact me. Get out there and work in the yard for a couple of hours, and it seems like by 7 o'clock I'm ready to go to bed. It's tough. I'm getting old, man. I am. I'm getting old. People message me and say, Steve, you're still a young man. I don't feel it most days. But uh, I'm happy. I tell you that. I'm happy as a lark. I hope you guys are too. I hope you got a lot in life to be happy about. Today is June 30th. That is the last day of our promotion at jeanspage.com. 50% off of an annual subscription. Now, we run some promos from time to time, but 50% off, that's outstanding. That gets you all the way through the calendar year. That gets you right up until the dog days of summer of 2024. So if you hadn't taken advantage of that, today's the last day to do it. Be sure and go do that. It's been an incredible month for us. We are an all-time high subscriptions. Matter of fact, we have continued to climb every day this month, as you'd expect, with that great value. 50% off an annual subscription at jeanspage.com. The Mississippi State affiliate for 247 Sports. We are the definitive source for Mississippi State athletics information. That has always been the case. That will continue to be the case. No matter what comes in the future, jeanspage.com of 247 Sports. The big dog, no doubt. 
Speaking of big dog stuff, Bulldog Burger Company, a great place to do business, a great place to work, a great place to recreate. You can go out and have an adult beverage, have a night out with friends. They have a full-service bar over in Tupelo at times. We have live music. we got the tap takeovers. we got all kind of cool stuff, but here's the deal. It all starts with food, man. There's so many places out there kind of competing for your dining dollar. And there are some places, I'll be honest with you, that I go and I'm like, you know what, this is not a do-over. That's not the case of Bulldog Burger Company. I probably ate there 200 times since they opened. And that's not an exaggeration. I ate there a lot. I like eating there because I know what I'm going to get. That's the thing about going out and eating. Sometimes you just never know. One day, one day the, the meat's good. The next day it's just average, you know. As a matter of fact, I went out and ate recently, had a steak, and I was like, you know what? I think this is the worst cut of meat I've ever had. But not at Bulldog Burger Company. Incredible standards there. Great people doing a great job for a long time. That Eat With Us group, man, they get things done. They know how to feed us. That's why we keep going. One of the best dining experiences in Mississippi with the Eat With Us group is at Bulldog Burger Company. Three great locations to serve you. University Drive in Star Vegas, Gloucester Street there in Tupelo, Lake Harper Drive in the Ridge and Flowood area. Get the spring rolls as your appetizer. We can't emphasize that enough. You know, Some of you, it'll improve your dating options. I'm just telling you. Trust the science, as they say. It's in writing. They will make you better looking. Get that chocolate shake to go. I kind of prefer the Nutella. I've been on the Mississippi barbecue burger for a while. I've, I've kind of told myself, you know, maybe next time I go in, I'll get something different. However, I'm the kind of person when I find something that works for me, I just keep riding the train, right? It works for me. If you hadn't tried it, go check it out. I had somebody recently tweet me and say I tried it. It was outstanding. I would never steer you wrong. Not when it comes to music, food, Women, love, recovery, or Mississippi State. You can put Bulldog Burger Company right there in that list. A great place to dine. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. All right. Now, I'm gonna, this is a show where I'm going to say I told you so. I told you so. There were so many people in the industry. They got all wrapped up in this 2019 in-state class of prospects. Oh, it's a historic class in Mississippi. And I was like, you know, I don't, I don't think so. I don't think so. I said, I think as a matter of fact, we're going to look back here in a few years. We're going to say this class had more bust percentage-wise than any other class we've had in recent years. And yes, I told you so. Right here on this show, I told you this class is overrated. And it absolutely was overrated. The college careers for many of these players are over. There are a handful the jury is still out on. But by and large, this class in the state of Mississippi was a bust. Period. Bust. B-U-S-T. Bust. Now, of course, all those people that came and said, oh, this is going to be great. This could be historic. They don't have anything to say today. I said it then. I'll say it now. This class was overrated. And I'm about to prove it for you. One of the most difficult things to do in life is to project future human performance. Scott Kennedy taught me that years ago when I worked for Scout.com. It is very much an inexact science. I mean, just look at the first round of the NFL draft. you got the best evaluators in the world evaluating these guys. They have access to more data and testing. And they still get it wrong half the time. Very difficult to do. The difference is when we're in our industry, we just rate a player, and if he doesn't pan out, everybody just kind of moves on. You know, you, you misevaluate a guy in the NFL and your franchise commits millions of dollars to him, uh, you get fired. That's how it works. 
Let's take a look back and see how we did as an industry. This is from the 247 Sports Composite, so it's not necessarily about 247 Sports, though we did have some people within our organization then that were trumpeting for these kids. I think sometimes what happens, and maybe there have been times in my life I felt this way. I, I'm pretty confident. The older I've gotten and the more mature I've gotten, you stop rooting for teams when it comes to recruiting and you start recruiting, you start you start rooting for kids. And you hope they do well. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say I rooted against these guys just so I can come back later and record this show and say I was right. But the reality of it is there are some people out there that they, get, they fall in love with who they think their school is going to get. And you get tunnel vision. Oh, well, he's coming here. Well, if he's going to Alabama, because Nick Saban is the GOAT, we all agree, the most dominant dynasty in the history of college football, the University of Alabama. You say, well, if, if, if Nick Saban wants a defensive back, he's got to be a five-star. At very least, he's got to be a high-level four-star. That's probably a safe bet. It's also disingenuous. Nick Saban misses on some kids, too. You don't believe me? Look at the portal every year. It's a handful of kids from Alabama every single year. We went out and signed some of them. We thought, hey, we'll take Alabama's rejects and be okay. And you know what? They hadn't, they hadn't worked out for us. So even Superman gets the blues. All right, number one. The number one player rated in the class, the highest-rated offensive line prospect that Mississippi State has ever signed. And chances of us ever signing one better than this one? Slim and none, because he was rated a composite 99. He'd have to be 100. There's only been a handful of players in the industry that have been rated 100. But it was Charles Cross from Laurel, Mississippi. Charles was a guy coming up through the ranks. He was originally... Rank is a three-star. Goes to Florida State, has a big camp. Next thing you know, everybody's like, you know what? This Charles Cross kid's really good. Got incredible feet. There's just something different about him. And he did. He had a much different uh, caliber of talent. Give Marcus Johnson a lot of credit. We're able to get uh, Charles Cross to flip to Mississippi State. I was fortunate to break that story. And he comes to Mississippi State, plays three years, skips a ball game, enters a draft, forgoes his senior year, and is a first-round draft pick by the Seattle Seahawks and played impressively last year as a rookie. Provided he stays healthy, Charles Cross will probably be a guy that plays uh, double-digit seasons in a National Football League. He is that good. And so you look at that and you say, well, Steve, that's a no-brainer. It wasn't at the time. It wasn't, especially when you consider the traffic within this class. There were a lot of people in our industry that were very reluctant to put Charles Cross up there. Now, one of the reasons I was in favor of it is, number one, it's a premium position. It's so difficult to go get a left tackle. That's one of the reasons you rarely ever see, like, an offensive guard with a five-star. It happens occasionally. You don't see a lot of, uh, you know, linebackers as a five-star. You do some, but they're special. But when you have a guy that plays an impact position, to me, he is a guy that's going to have more of an impact on the college level. So, thus, the ranking should be higher. Kind of like a defensive tackle. It's so hard to find a true nose or three-tech. And when you've got those guys, I mean, that's why everybody competes so hard for them. That's why you see these D-tackles come up and they got, you know, three stars next to their name and they got double-digit offers. It's because there's not a lot of those guys around, but everybody has to have them. They don't always get ranked as high as they should, but they are a position of luxury. 
That's the case at left tackle. You find a bona fide left tackle that can play in a Southeastern Conference, he is going to be a four or five star just about every time, especially when you've got a guy with the athleticism of Charles Cross. So we got that one right. Charles Cross, absolutely correct. Number two, the former number one player in the state of Mississippi, he was unseated by Charles Cross, a guy that had an incredible college career, won an AFL championship at the University of Georgia, Nicobe Dean. You may recall there were a lot of people in the Ole Miss media said, oh, he's going to Ole Miss, he's going to Ole Miss. He was never going to Ole Miss. A lot of the times these young people have to just put out enough disinformation to survive. I was one of the first people to crystal ball him in Georgia. I got a tip that uh, he went to Georgia and just really hit it off for Kirby Smart. We crystal balled him pretty early in the process, I guess in the summer. There may have been a couple other guys ahead of me that beat me, but a lot of people thought, oh, well, maybe LSU, maybe Alabama. You know, looking back, it all made perfect sense. Kirby Smart, a guy that identified him, brought him in. And Nicobe was undersized. That's one of the reasons he didn't fetch a higher draft pick. I remember watching him in the Mississippi-Alabama All-Star practice, and I thought to myself, man, this kid is really small compared to what people told us. But he was explosive. An incredible first step. A nose for the football. And he proved it at the University of Georgia. I think he was undervalued as an NFL prospect, but it was all related to size. Nicobe Dean, third-round pick by the Philadelphia Eagles. So we got that one right. I think everybody would agree. Nicobe Dean, an incredible college player. I don't know what kind of pro player he's going to be, but the fact that he was able to get drafted uh, in the earlier rounds on day two says a lot. I think you can say, you know what, we put five stars next to his name, second-best player in the state of Mississippi. He absolutely lived up to the hype, period. Number three. I was totally against this when it happened. I remain totally convinced we got this wrong. That's not to say he didn't have a good college career at Ole Miss, but it's Jerry and Ely. This, that this should have never been a five-star situation, ever, under any circumstances. When I look at a five-star player, and when I was with Scout, we only did 50, 50 five-stars in the country. And if we didn't have 50 that that met the criteria, we didn't get 50. But more times than not, you'd have 50, and then you'd have 250 more, and we called it the Scout 300. You know, 247, we have the top 247. We don't necessarily limit the number of five stars. If there's 50 kids that deserve a five star, they get them. If there's 25, they get it. This is one I totally disagreed with. I said, you know, there's no excuse for this. I think Jerry Neely was a very solid four-star running back. And, of course, there's some people in our industry that get out and trade access for, uh, for rankings, and that proved to be the case here. Jerry and Ely should have never been a five-star. Rated the number three with number 26 player overall, number three running back in the country. And all due respect to Jerry and Ely, he was never going to live up to this hype. Ever. Ever. Never. He just didn't have it. Good player. Had a good career. Also went undrafted. So we got this wrong. I got it right. The industry got it wrong. Another one that I think we can be honest about now, even though he's one of ours, that we can say was a little bit overvalued as a a prospect, and yes, he's had some issues, and he will return for a senior year at Mississippi State, Nathan Pickering. Nathan Pickering had a seminary number four player in the state, the top-rated defensive tackle in the state that year, signed with Mississippi State, a 95. At the time, I felt that was probably the right ranking. And you got to factor in quality competition. But, uh, but Pick's a guy, too, that has had some challenges here. Yes. We need him to have a big year for us. So the jury is still out. 
But I think we can say, you know what, he had four-star potential. He has not had a four-star career as of yet. Number five that year, a guy from West Jones High School that in the, area, in the early going we thought we were going to get him. And when Brian Baker was still the defensive line coach at Mississippi State, State was still in the game. It was going to be tough to flip him, but we were still in the game. And then Brian Baker leaves Mississippi State to take the defensive line coach at Alabama. And that ended our pursuit of Byron Young. His intrigue about Mississippi State ended. It was talk he might take a visit. Again, it was going to be difficult to flip him. But he gets over there, Brian Baker. Byron Young outlasts Brian Baker. And then Byron Young ends up being a third-round draft pick from the Oakland Raiders. Did we get it right? Yeah, we did. We did. He had a good career at Alabama. Uh, again, this is a guy, too, that, um, you know, we loved him in high school. Absolutely loved him. I remember going to see him play in person, which is like a man among boys, as it should be. If it's a true bona fide SEC defensive lineman, he should bully people on the high school level. He should, and he did. Number six, another one we got wrong, and I think a lot of this, too, I'm going to be honest, I'm just saying it for what it is. I think there's some people that were uh, affiliated with the Auburn situation that were their opinions of prospects were valued too greatly. i just say it for what it is. Number six, former Mississippi State commitment, and then Auburn signee Charles Moore. And I have no idea where Charles Moore is these days. I suspect back in Louisville, Mississippi. First time I saw Charles Moore, he had a beard in ninth grade. Or eighth grade, whatever it was. It was ridiculous. We felt like this guy couldn't miss. But things didn't work out. And, uh, you know, Chuck signs with Auburn that leaves – uh, transfers, you know, it's just he has moved around a handful of times. But we clearly got it wrong. Did he have four-star ability? Yes, he did. And he had the ACL tear, you know, as a senior. Don't know what happened, but he never reached his potential. And you hate it. You do. Charles Moore is a different cat. Don't get me wrong. But clearly, looking back in hindsight, did he have four-star potential? Yes. Did he have a four-star career? Absolutely not. That said, the guy that ranked just behind him also signed with Auburn. I think Charles Moore had better potential than him. And that's Jaron Handy from Hattiesburg High School. So many people tried to push him on me over and over and over again. I said, you know what? I just don't buy it. I don't think he's a four-star player. You're like, but Steve, you're just saying this because he's not going to Mississippi State. No, I'm not. I watched him on film. I thought this guy is a surefire Division I prospect. I thought he was a borderline Power 5 guy. And everybody's like, oh, you're crazy. Well, yeah, guess what? Guess where he is today? Do you know? Because I do. Maybe you do. Maybe you don't. Jaron Handy left Auburn, transferred to Indiana, got kicked off the team there, and now he is at Charlotte, UNC Charlotte. Didn't play last year. He'll play his final year of college football this year. Wish him the best. I do. Absolutely wish him the best. But ultimately, he ends up where I thought he should have been all along, at a G5 program. Maybe it's just me. But that's how I felt. Number seven in the state, not a chance. I said it then. I'll say it now. Should not have been a four-star. Should have been a mid-level three-star. And probably should have gone somewhere like Southern Miss or Memphis because ultimately that's where he ended up. And he has done next to nothing uh, on the college level. And you, you say it, you know, and it's like you hate to be so critical of kids, but here's the thing. Life's tough. Get a helmet. When you go play Power 5 football, you're going to be evaluated. You're going to be judged for it. 
and a lot of people can't handle that scrutiny. But Jaron Handy, again at Charlotte with the 49ers, wish him the best. Hope he has a great career, a good year, and maybe has a chance to make some money. But should he have been the number seven player in the state of Mississippi? Absolutely not. Number eight, another guy that everybody was so fired up about, oh, we had to have this kid, had to get him. We thought we had a good chance at him. We didn't. He commits to Alabama. Ole Miss thought they should have had him. He enters a transfer portal after leaving Alabama. We're talking Brandon Turnage here from Lafayette. Everybody said, oh, he's going to go to Ole Miss. He'll go, that deal's done. He's going to go to Ole Miss. Well, he didn't. He went to Tennessee. And was a reserve and part-time starter last year. Started about half the games. He actually was an SEC Defensive Player of the Week one week. Had a really good year. He'll be back, and hopefully Brennan Turnage has a big year. You know, the jury's still out on him, I guess, in some respects, but he hasn't done much. You, know, you got to think three years into this career, and, um, you know, he's with his second team, but he's still not a starter, not a full-time starter. Maybe he will be this year at corner. Had a chance to play some last year, and again, wish Brennan the best. He is a great young man, great. But his college career has not lived up to his recruitment or his ranking. Again, he was the number eight player in the state of Mississippi that year. Number nine, you want to talk about bust, here we go. Dennis Jackson from Summerall, Mississippi. Rated a 94, the ninth best player in the state of Mississippi. I said back then, I didn't think he was a four-star. I thought he was a marginal four-star, probably a high-level three-star. Uh, my knock on Dennis was is he had an aversion to contact. Like, you watch him, and that's the thing, too. You got At some point in the Southeastern Conference, you're going to have to cross the face of the safety. And even in high school, Dennis sometimes, you know, kind of took the easier, softer way. Let's just run out of bounds or we'll just dive down. He just wasn't a guy that did much. And uh, he's a bust, man. Went to Ole Miss, had a couple touchdown catches back in 2021. And this absolutely had, didn't work out for him. But uh, I think we can just kind of be honest about this, just kind of call it for what it is. 19 receptions in three years at Ole Miss. 19. And if you knew the links, they went to get him. I think they would gladly say they did not get the return on their investment they were hoping for. He has transferred to Missouri. So, again, hope the best for Dennis. I assume he's still up there. Uh, but Dennis is at Missouri and was expected to play this year. So, maybe things work out for him. But, again, you know, another guy that um, we all chase. He committed to us. We knew he wasn't going to stick. Joe Moorhead did a good job kind of getting him caught up in the moment, and then he ends up going to Ole Miss, and uh, Ole Miss people kind of beat their chest about it. Nah, ha, ha, we're wide receiver U. And he goes to wide receiver U, and wide receiver U was able to generate 19 receptions out of him in three years. Number 10, another guy that maybe hadn't reached his potential yet, but there's maybe some outlying circumstances here with him. Uh, I think if we're kind of being fair about this, you know, uh, DeMonte Russell. We got him out of Pro Vine. We beat Ole Miss for him. And uh, he actually has two years of eligibility left because he had the injury. And then that's, of course, he'll get a medical redshirt. Remember, they had the, the bad car accident with he and J.P. Purvis and uh, had to sit out the year. It was a very scary situation. But uh, we do expect him to make some plays for this. And we need it. We need him to come alive this year. And, of course, he misses the one year, then kind of battles back and starts getting healthy. It's just taking him a while to get back in the SEC playing shape. But, uh, yeah, was he a four-star recruit? Yes. Has he had a four-star career? He has not. Still time with two years left to play, but we'll see. Uh, number 11, a guy that, uh, you know, we thought he was a bit of a tweener. Mississippi State worked exceptionally hard to get their call, and he picks Auburn. Uh, give Coach Woodson some credit over there and his affiliates down on the Mississippi Gulf Coast. 
But Derek Hall was the guy that were like, is he a linebacker? Does he have the foot speed to play backer? He doesn't have the length to play defensive end. Well, he goes to Auburn and becomes their best player. Ends up being a second-round draft pick by the Seattle Seahawks. Did we get it right? I'd say we probably undervalued him some. This is a guy, too, again, he's a bit of a tweener. And so a lot of times tweeners probably shouldn't be in the top five, but he should have been considered a top ten prospect. Especially in hindsight, when you look at some of the guys ahead of him that have done nothing in college. But Derek Hall, an outstanding career at Auburn. Wish him the best. Wish he'd been a Bulldog, but it is what it is. Number 12, it's Radar Jones. And this is a guy, too, that uh, had a ton of hype. He was a quarterback on a state championship team with N'Kobe Dean. Uh, Ole Miss thought they had him. He signs with LSU, does next to nothing down there, ends up having some academic concerns, goes in the portal, and rolls at Mississippi State this summer. So he signed with us, or quote signed with us, but uh, it wasn't actually official until after the spring. And uh, he's got to take care of business. Does he have athletic ability? He absolutely does. But he has done nothing on the college level, next to nothing. And so, yeah, I think at this point you got to say Radar Jones was a bust. The four-star player, 92. And uh, you never know. You know, guys making a position change, whatever. You never know how things are going to go on, what's going on in a young man's life. He has a second chance now to get it right. He's here at Mississippi State. Going part, working through your, uh, your off-season workouts right now. All right, number 13, former Bulldog and uh, a guy that was in the middle of some controversy, it's Jerry and Jones who was a, the subject of a tampering investigation that involved Ole Miss that led to them being sanctioned by the Southeastern Conference. Jerry came in, and uh, a lot of people called him and Martin Emerson, you know, thing one and thing two. Martin Emerson, of course, now in the National Football League. Uh, Jerry has had a solid career at Florida State, mainly as a reserve. Last year he had uh, 19 tackles and one interception, had four pass deflections, his best year as a college player uh, in many respects. But he hadn't been what many people thought he would be. And remember, he was committed to Oklahoma, then came to Mississippi State, and helped us put a class together, and then kind of succumbed to the temptations of the other side. And uh, in the end, it was Ole Miss that got thrown out of the Garden of Eden rather than Jerry and Jones. But uh, Jerry had a COVID year in 2020. I don't know what his plans are long term. But, um, you know, it's water on the bridge for us. But... um, you know, he was the 13th player in the, in, the, in the state that year. Is that accurate? Probably. I mean, I think when you look at it, you can see, was he a top 15 player? Absolutely. Is he had a top 15 career? That's probably debatable. But he is with a power five team, and he is on a two deep. And so you look at that and say, you know, we probably got that right. I mean, we had too many four stars in the state of Mississippi that year. Jerry was a 91 and considered a four star. Now, the guy that I think really has made a lot of people look silly is K.J. Jefferson. I love KJ's team in high school. I love it now. I think KJ is a star in this league. Of course, he was banged up last year, went to Arkansas. They built a program around him. Number 14 player in the state, ranked uh, number five in the country as a quarterback, a 90 rating. He's had a great career. And he's in Arkansas is going to go as far as he carries him this year, which I don't think is going to be very far because I don't think he has a strong enough supporting cast around him. Did we get it right? No, we didn't. Even though KJ is a four-star, KJ should have been a top-ten player. But, of course, we had to make sure all those missed guys were up there too. All right, number 15, Brandon Cunningham, a guy that came to Mississippi State, got in some trouble. You remember he had the big video after the uh, Armed Forces Bowl and uh, was supposed to be disciplined for that. He refused to accept the discipline. 
elected to go get in the transfer portal. Nobody picked him up. He ends up going to Mississippi Gulf Community, Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College. Sadly, was involved in an accident where one of his teammates died. He and two other he and two other teammates were in a one vehicle accident, and uh, Brandon got a little bit banged up. And uh, to be honest with you, I don't know what happened to Brandon after Gulf Coast. I don't even know if he finished. But what a horrific situation uh, to be a young person and be involved in a car accident and to see one of your friends and passengers die. Brandon wasn't driving. Uh, but the reality of it is, is that uh, that's a very traumatic experience. So, Brandon, wherever you are these days, I wish you the best. Uh, number 16, Deontay Prance, a guy that probably was rated a little bit too low. He's had a really good career at Ole Miss. He went to Ole Miss, left, went to Northwest, and back to Ole Miss, and uh, has been one of the better cover guys in the conference. We had him ranked 16th in the country and a high-level three-star. I think you could make an argument here that it was probably uh, – a little bit light. Prince probably deserved a high ranking. And I think when you look at his career, I think you can argue that, hey, this was a good get for Ole Miss, and it's a guy that has uh, contributed in a great way at Ole Miss. And, again, probably a little bit undervalued. Number 17, John Rice Plumley, And um, it seems like forever and a day ago he was playing quarterback against us in the Egg Bowl. And remember Matt Corral was his backup? Remember that? It's, it's nuts to think about how it all played out, right? John Rice, a very solid young man, ultra competitive, uh, known a lot of people in his family for years and years. Uh, his dad, uh, Kenny, was good friends with a neighbor of mine, so they'd spend some time in our neighborhood. So I'm rooting for John Rice. I am. And, uh, of course, he had a big year at Central Florida last year. And, uh, you know, we'll see how things go. But I think, I think he needed to play in a scheme. And if had they stuck at Ole Miss and ran the Rodriguez scheme, Plumlee was the good fit. But Corral – was a better fit in Lane Kiffin's offense. And uh, so that and that happens in business and in life. So it's not a criticism of John Rice Palmer. We had him as a three-star, and uh, I was in favor of that. There were people within the network that had him when he was committed to Georgia as a four-star. After watching him in person, I told everybody this is wrong. This, this is wrong. He's not a four-star quarterback. He's not. And even to this day, I'd say he wasn't a four-star quarterback. I would still go down with him being – a three-star guy. And, uh, you know, State actually offered him as a defensive back to work him out at corner. That's how athletic the kid is. Uh, number 18, a guy that was way too low, is Jonathan Mingo. Now, I'm not going to sit here and tell you Jonathan Mingo was one of the better prospects in the State that year, but he was much better than 18 in a composite. I think at 247 we had him at 12, but uh, 18 is too low. And Mingo had a good career at Ole Miss, and again, he had a little bit of an aversion to contact. That said, it, didn't, it wasn't enough to scare away the Carolina Panthers, though, that used their second-round selection on him. So congratulations, Jonathan. But again, a guy that we were wrong about. I, I, I got one more guy I want to talk about, and uh, he's a Starkville guy. This is a guy that um, I thought we should have taken, and we didn't. That's Jaleel Clements. Really, 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 really tough kid. Went to Memphis, played as a true freshman. Played in every game for them as a true freshman. The next year, um, they play him again. Then he red shirts and then transfers to Southern Miss. And uh, worked mainly as a reserve last year. But I'm really hoping Jalil has a big year this year. Uh, a couple of high points here. A, a guy that I, I always told you guys I thought was, was a marginal prospect was Jamon Gordon. Watched him play against Starwell High School. I don't think he made a tackle the entire night. He was completely disinterested in playing football. He was 22 in the state that year. Of course, he goes to junior college and gets overvalued a little bit. Hadn't done a whole bunch. 
Uh, Jordan Jernigan, Keziah Pruitt, Jalen Jordan, Zach Edwards, they round out uh, the top 25. And uh, beyond them is J.P. Purvis, Jack Harris. The one that we absolutely missed on as a network. Absolutely blew it. Everybody around the country. It's Snoop Connor. They went to Ole Miss. Most people had him as a two-star. He comes in as an 86 composite, the 29th player in the state of Mississippi. And he was easily Ole Miss's best running back. When he got down to the goal line, when Snoop and Jerry and went there, who'd they give it to? Snoop. You can say what you want to about Snoop Connor. That kid could play. Absolutely could play. And uh, probably a guy where you give Ole Miss a lot of credit for, um, for evaluating him and staying on him, you know. Uh, now with the Jacksonville Jaguars, fifth-round pick from the Jags. Uh, so congratulations to Snoop. But uh, clearly, again, a guy that uh, people in the industry just kind of slept on a little bit. And now here he is as a pro football player. But, again, you, you run the numbers here. Most of these guys ultimately transferred. Think about that for a second. Is that the world we're living in? We're all going to get excited, go recruit and chase these players and spend a bunch of in-out money and only to see them leave? But most of these guys – very pedestrian college of all careers, most of them. And again, you go back and you look, and you got you know Charles Cross and the Kobe, uh, Byron Young, uh, John Domingo. I mean, you only got a handful of these guys that went to the NFL. Of course, you don't expect that. You don't expect a lot of guys to go to the National Football League. But when this is supposed to be this historic class, as some people in the industry tried to argue, had having never seen the players, they just start counting offers and like, oh, well, they got offers from this school and that school. They got to be NFL guy. Well, you know what? They weren't NFL guys then. They're not NFL guys today. So I, I throw that out there today, not just to say I told you so, but to encourage people to take a breath. Because there's a Snoop Connor out there almost in every class in Mississippi. There's always some guy that kind of comes out of nowhere and you're like, well, what is going on here? You know? And there are other guys out there that sometimes get a little bit be fat cats. You know, the thing that people need is the ability to drive themselves, to be self-motivated, to realize they have a dream and an opportunity to do something to change their lives and the lives of people who love them dramatically. And that just doesn't always include getting a college degree. You know, NFL millions are out there, not for everybody. And every kid that goes and signs a Division I scholarship thinks, my next stop is the NFL. At some point, we all get cut. But I'm going to tell you this, this is one of the worst years of evaluating prospects in the state of Mississippi in the history of our industry. There were so many of these guys that were overvalued. And he said, well, Steve, they signed with this school and that school. We, that should mean nothing. It should mean absolutely nothing. If that's the case, let's just let the fans vote, right? I mean, let's just do that, you know. If we're just going to base it on who they claim offers from, if that's what we rank, like, oh, well, so-and-so's got this offer. And that offer. How do you know? Because he tweeted it? How do you know it's committable? How do you know it's not a glorified imitation to camp? So, yeah, the guys that get offered first get evaluated first. But you still got to go trust your own evaluation. You got to go through and do it yourself. Well, I'm going to trust the college guys, too. Yeah, me too. The difference is you don't have access to that information. All right, time for today's top 10 list. It's always brought to you by CloseWithBlair.com. That's C-L-O-S-E with Blair, B-L-A-I-R, CloseWithBlair.com. I have had multiple people that have hit me up the last couple of years and said, Hey, Steve, 
What's his number? I'll give it to you. And if you lose it and you need it, hit me up. I'll be happy to provide it. So will Blair, 601-500-2344, 601-500-2344. And uh, give Blair a call or text today. And here's the deal, man. Blair is a mortgage professional. He can get you from fantasy to the closing table. A lot of people think, you know what, Steve, it can't happen for me. You know, it just might can. And if there's anybody to get it done, it's Blair Chandler. Well, you're looking to refinance, buy a new home, perhaps move some debt around. Blair can help you with every bit of that. Get your home equity working for you. Reality of it is, is that sometimes you need a mortgage professional to help you navigate through the labyrinth that is the closing process. Stick with the winners. 22 years of experience, back-to-back-to-back close ratio in the top 1% in the country. Not just in your state, in the country. We talk about five-star recruits all the time. That's Blair, giving you a five-star performance. Blair Chandler at closedblair.com. The proud sponsor of the top ten list. All right, here we go. This one hit me today. Somebody suggested I do one about dogs. Now, I'll be honest with you, I worked on it. I just didn't feel it. I just didn't feel it. I just, I couldn't get it done. I love my dogs. I've got five of them. Uh, You've heard them from time to time on this show. They make a guest appearance every now and again. There's Maverick, my German Shepherd, who is wonderful. As I call his name, he gives me the head tilt. There's Marley, my Black Lab, Mojo, uh, my Blue Healer mom, and then I've got two Blue Healers that live live outside, Brownie and Sheba. But uh, we're out of the puppy business, man. Everybody's fixed. I I promote responsible dog ownership. Take care of your dogs. Take them to the vet. Don't just put them outside, tie them to a tree. Spend time with them. My dogs love me, man. They do. They're with me all the time. My wife says at times when I leave and go to the store that Maverick will go wait by the door for me to come back. I'm his person. He's looking at me right now like he's talking about me. I am talking about you, big boy. But nevertheless, we're not doing dogs today. But it got me to thinking, you know what, uh, Dog Eat Dog, could I get something off the Dog Eat Dog Warren album? Well, I can. And I thought, well, what's a good motif for us? So you guys, some of our most successful list in the history of the top 10 list, in the three plus years we've been doing the top 10 list, you guys love power ballads. And you know what? We loved them back in the day too. We did. A lot of times, John Bon Jovi could tell a girl what we couldn't. So we'd rip him off. Or we'd make a mixtape. We'd give it to some girl. This is exactly how I feel. That's what we did. Maybe it's different today. I know that. I, I Listen, I hear a good song. I share it with my wife all the time. Here you go. I did, I listen to this. reminds me of us. And I tell you, she shared one with me, and I went out and got the lyrics tattooed on my chest because I'm no sucker. I'm no punk. But uh, the great song, um, When Our Blood Runs Cold, from the new great band, Rain City Drive. If you hadn't checked them out, you should. They didn't make our list today, but they've made lists in the past. So here we go with 90s power ballads. It was kind of the last gasp of the hair metal movement. And, of course, that's how the thing worked. Banger, like they would release a banger of a single, then it's a power ballad. You come back with a banger, you tool for a while, and you come back with maybe a deeper track. That was kind of the way things worked. But everybody had to have a power ballad on the album. This is how it worked. Because, you know, we, we couldn't just be scary all the time. We had to show our sensitive side. But here we go. A lot of honorable mentions today because I wanted to get these songs in here. And when you hear some of these honorable mentions, you're going to think, man, the list has got to be great. It is. 
All right, extremes more than words didn't make our list because it's not technically a power ballad, even though it was a huge hit. It really brought extreme from uh, kind of the obscurity into the mainstream. And then it was a band called Alias. Great band, had a big hit with a song called More Than Words Can Say, because I need you now. More than words can say, and I do, I need you. And then uh, there's Mr. Biggs, To Be With You. Not technically a power ballad, even though I love Mr. Big. I do. And, uh, you know, Billy Sheehan from Taoist and David Lee Roth Band. And, uh, Paul Gilbert, formerly of Racer X. Incredible. Eric Martin from the Eric Martin Band. Eric Martin, an underappreciated singer. Because everybody knows, like, the, the other stuff. Like, you know the softer stuff. You don't know, like, green-titted 60s mind. We could probably do a Mr. Big. If we haven't done a Mr. Big Top Ten, Roy, let's do one soon. Maybe we have, but uh, Mr. Big, a great, a great band, but to be with you, a huge hit, huge. Uh, Damn Yankees, High Enough, the great vocal stylings of one Tommy Shaw, and then one that maybe you metal guys know and appreciate, the, the, the casual fan doesn't know, it's Bruce Dickinson from Iron Maiden, the legendary Bruce Dickinson with Tears of a Dragon. Great track. But here is your top ten list. Number 10, one of my wife's favorite songs of all time. And uh, when it came out, we saw it on MTV, saw it a few times, and we went to the mall, and she goes, I want to buy this CD, and we did. We still have it. It's Saigon Kicks, Love is on the Way. What great harmonies on this. And uh, this was it, like when the Unplugged thing was really huge. Number nine, a song that means an awful lot to me, and it's a band that I don't really like. And uh, kind of embarrassingly enough, the most listened to list ever in the history of the top 10 list is Poison, a band that I didn't really like. But I tell you this, I've met Brett Michaels and I've had a chance to share with him that the song Something to Believe In is one of my favorite songs of all time. I think it's the best song Poison ever did. Of course, there's Talk Dirty to Me. Yeah, yeah, nothing but a good time, which is the quintessential 80s rock song. But Something to Believe In came out a very, 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 very difficult part in my life. And um, that's how I felt, man. It was just nothing to believe in in life. And um, that song is, uh, is very, very personal to Brett, as you know. If you've ever been around Brett, and the limited time that I was, uh, I, he was very appreciative. And I, I can tell you this, I think I may have misjudged Brett Michaels. I mean, he always came off as real arrogant and everything else. But he was very gracious to us when we met him at Rocklahoma. And I want to thank my good friend Mark Fulton for making that happen. Number eight. A band and a singer that means an awful lot to me. As you guys know, I've got Down Boys tattooed on my knuckles in honor of Jenny Lane. Got a cherry pie tattoo as well. Jenny Lane told me that he wished he was better known for some of his other songs than Cherry Pie. He's a Cherry Pie wrote it in like 15 minutes. And uh, he loved the notoriety, but he kind of got tired of being a Cherry Pie guy because he was so much more than that. And he wrote a song, and he told me he thought this was kind of his opus, the song that he wished he was more famous for. And I absolutely love the song. It's off the Doggy Dog album. It's Bitter Pill from Warrant, number eight. Maybe you know Warrant. Maybe you don't know Bitter Pill. I suggest you listen to it. Number seven, another song that means an awful lot to me. I feel like I've got a personal connection with every one of these songs. When I first moved to Baton Rouge, uh, Dana and Ani were still staying back in Natchitoches to finish up. She worked at a, uh, a bookstore, so she was helping them finish out their year. And uh, it was tough, man. I was away from them living in the Holiday Inn. And uh, we went and saw, uh, I can't think of the name of the movie. It was the, uh, the movie where they go and they blast the meteor and save the world or whatever, you know, whatever it is. But Aerosmith had the, um, 
had the, the kind of the single. It was written by Diane Warren. It's, I don't want to miss a thing. And that's kind of how I felt, you know, with, with my wife. My wife and I were never really apart. Like, the, after our first date, I saw her every day for three years. And so we spent a lot of time together. And uh, when she's away from me, as you guys know, I'm not the same person. But, but not only was I away from her, I was away from my kid, you know. And it was my, my first kid, and he was learning to do so much stuff. And that's kind of how I felt. I don't want to miss a thing, and I was missing a lot. Number six, another song that means so much to me and uh, I had gone through a terrible terrible breakup just before I got sober and uh, really sent me off a deep end you'll read about all of this in the new book when the bottom falls but there was a song back then that was kind of my anthem when I would be alone and kind of just dealing with my own thoughts it's from the great band Skid Row off the Slave to the Grind album it's in a darkened room which I think is the best vocal performance of Sebastian Bach's career very painful song number five it's always good when we're talking metal, we can work Ozzy into the show. And so here we are. Number five, Mama, I'm Coming Home, a song that he wrote, you know, about Sharon Osbourne. You know, seems to me you could have been a better friend to me. You know, it was very honest, very transparent, emotional song for Ozzy. It was a huge hit. Number four, another song. Uh, and a matter of fact, when uh, Danny was away in New Mexico, I got CJ Snare from the great band Firehouse to do a cameo video for her and uh, told him my story and he sang part of the song to her and uh, the very first time that I ever looked into her eyes and told her I loved her. Today's podcast is brought to you by Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast. What's the best way to help you and your finances thrive? The answer can be overwhelming with all the financial misinformation out there. Fortunately, you can turn to NerdWallet's objective finance journalists to set things straight and help you make smart decisions with your own money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bill so I don't dread April every single year, managing finances with a partner without causing a breakup, putting away more money for retirement since I'm not going to do this podcast forever. Sorry, folks. And also boosting my credit score since good credit is like a real-life cheat code. Saving for an emergency fund because life is like a good movie. It loves a good plot twist. Thirds also explain the real impact that the latest financial headlines could have on your life. Weekly financial check-ins with smart money help you spend more time doing what matters and less time worrying about what doesn't. Let NerdWallet's trusted experts untangle today's web of financial misinformation. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. I tried the Dixie National Rodeo. Get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year, and me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest, and we'd go up there. And just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, Boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scooting. Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. Tecovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing. The versatility of Tecovas is you can wear them somewhere nice or you can live life where you don't go gently. That's what Tecovas does for you. Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot. It's my favorite boot brand, and it should be yours too. 
Be sure and check them out. Tacovis believes in Western for all people, and you can feel that when you go into their stores, when you walk in, you'll be greeted like family, offered a boot shine and a drink, and maybe even an adult beverage if you prefer, and you can get custom fitted for a new pair of Tacovis boots. You can get custom leather stamping or branding, whatever you need to make it feel somewhat individual. Look up your closest store at tecovis.com. But if you can't make it to a store, Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And you know what, partner? Point your toes west. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. We were ironically coming through the car wash at International Paper in Natchez, Mississippi. She'd give me the tour. And I said, you know what? This is song considered things that I can't. And as soon as the song was over, I told her I loved her for the very first time. And so it's always meant a lot to us. Firehouse is a big band. Like every couple has like a band or two, like, oh, this is our thing. You know, Firehouse is one of those things that's kind of been endearing. I hope to go see them next month. It depends on what her work schedule is. But uh, they're playing over in Philadelphia with Brett Michaels. Not that I really care about seeing a lot of Brett Michael stuff, but I'd love to be over there and go see uh, the guys in Firehouse. I'm a lifetime member of the Firehouse fan club, just so you know. Joined them back in the early 90s. Still got my laminate around here somewhere. Lifetime member. Number three, one of the most beautiful songs I think that have been written in my generation. We've talked about this on the show before. I love Queensryche. I absolutely love Queensryche. I wish they could have worked it out and stuck together. I think Tyler Tour is doing a good job. I think the more recent album is the best album since Jeff Tate left the band. But it's silent lucidity. And it's a song about explaining what dreams are to a child. Like a child has a nightmare, and it seems so real to them. They come running in your room. Oh, this is happening. And you have to explain to them the beauty and majesty of dreams. And uh, it's amazing. It is a beautiful song. Uh, The composition is incredible. And there's a reason that it was so incredibly successful as a single. And many of us gathered in Jackson, Mississippi one night, and we got a chance to see the Operation Mindcrime slash Empire tour, and they sang this song live. And uh, it was one of those things, too, to hear musicians of that caliber at the peak of their career singing what many respects the defining song of their career. It was a moment that I'll never forget. Number three, Silent Lucidity from Queensryche. Number two, and a lot of people think, oh, you know, well, Metallica was so anti-metal stuff. They didn't want to follow the, um, the trends, but they did. They did. And a lot of you Metallica nerds out there, maybe you're, you're too proud to admit it. I love Metallica too. I just don't think it's a religious experience like some of you do. But Metallica, nothing else matters. People made this their wedding song. You know, trust I seek and I find in you. Every day for us, something new. It's a beautiful song, it really is. But uh, they did it in their way, even though it was a power battle. They didn't really sell out and put on like sequin shirts or anything. But uh, Metallica's Nothing Else Matters, number two. But number one, and this is about as hair metal as it gets, even though there was a more of an air of authenticity with this band. When they hit the scene, we're like, holy smokes, where has this been my whole life? It's the great legendary band Guns N' Roses. 
And there is a lot of chatter about a new GNR album with Duff, Axel, and Slash together. You know, we had Chinese Democracy where uh, you had Bumblefoot and Buckethead playing guitar. To have most of the original band back together, you know, Izzy's no longer with the band. They say Izzy just doesn't have the chops anymore, and Steven Adler so unreliable, but goodness gracious. If we could get the big three back together, maybe you get Dizzy Reed involved. I don't know. Put things back together. I think the world needs new GNR. But it's November Rain, which was kind of the opus. And I remember in the beginning, there was all of these, uh, you know, Spin Magazine and Rolling Stone hipsters that were trying to tell you all about Elvis Costello and trying to cram all that crap down your throat. Like, oh, this song is so self-indulgent. Well, you know what? That song is still played today. And it is one of those songs, too, that means an awful lot to a lot of people. It really does. And so November Rain is your number one power ballad from the 90s. So even though this wasn't requested, I, I could kind of get behind this. But uh, love talking about music with you guys and love being able to share some stories behind some of the songs. But uh, guys, I'll tell you this. The, um, the thing that I've learned, I'll get out and I'll ride around and like people come up to me and say, hey, Steve, I'm a big fan of the show which means a lot. It does. It really, I'm not going to sit here and, and, and pretend to be, you know, well, Hollywood on you. And it, there's so many people that say, hey, Steve, I love the top 10 list because there's always these feelings of nostalgia or you turn me on to a new band. Matter of fact, I got tagged in a post just yesterday uh, from um, a listener that runs a little Instagram account about uh, kind of underappreciated hair metal, which is nice to be associated with. And they tagged me because somebody was like, hey, the band Vane was underappreciated. I love the band Bane. That album, No Respect, is great, but it's raw, it's punky, it's in your face. Uh, Davey Vane's one of those guys, too, that didn't really subscribe to the typical Hollywood thing. But uh, I love being able to share that with you guys. And I've had so many people that said, you know what, Steve, I never knew about this band. And I have had probably, in recent weeks, probably had more messages about the band Sleep Theory out of Memphis than maybe any band that we've ever talked about because they're new. We need some new blood, and I think Sleep Theory is going to be great. They're going out. We're probably going to go see them um, in August in Nashville. I think that's the plan. They're going to be out with Jarris Johnson and a couple other bands. Uh, I want to see them, and Sleep Theory is, you know, it's like shows are so infrequent because they, you know, they haven't signed a record deal yet. They've uh, putting together a management group. They're going out with Shinedown for a while, too. See, things are really happening for them, and it's so cool to be able to get on the ground floor at the grassroots level with a brand new band. There's so many bands that enter your life and you're like, oh, I love these guys. And you got to go back and buy the back catalog. It's been nice to watch Sleep Theory basically start from one single. And it gets on Octane on Sirius. And next thing you know, everybody's like, well, let's see the next one. So then they, they record it reimagined. Then there's a new single and then a new single. And so it's been great to see this band kind of begin to take off. So again, my, one of my favorite new bands Without a doubt, Sleep Theory. I know Sleep Token's got a new album out. People are kind of mixed reviews on that. Uh, but I'm not just an 80s hair metal guy, even though I think that's probably the best genre of music of my lifetime. And many of these bands today were influenced by the greats uh, from the 1980s. But uh, I'm not just lost in yesteryear. I mean, like David Coverdale saying, uh, hang on the promises and the songs of yesterday. And here I go again. But the reality of it is, is like, I remember Ronnie and I went to shows and, you know, he's like, these modern rock bands are cool, but when you go see, when you go see Whitesnake or Guns N' Roses or Motley Crue, it is, it's a circus, man. It is really a show. I go on to see Alice Cooper. I mean, even if you don't know the songs, the, the show itself is so remarkable. You, you leave there wanting more. 
And there are other times I go watch some band, there's some new band that's coming up, and I think, man, these guys are going to be great. And they walk out there like they just got off an eight-hour shift at Subway and plug in a guitar and just start playing, and you're just waiting for them to play the single so you can leave. You know, it's just not like that. There was a lot of theatrics uh, with 80s music. For what? And I lived through all this stuff, too. There's so many people today, it's like, oh, I love this and love that. There's so much revisionist history. You know, we could get into to the 90s scene if we wanted to. But the reality of it is, is uh, love what you love. There's so many songs out there in my life that, and, and writing this book, that's one of the things that I've done is gone back and listened to a lot of music I was listening to back then. And then as a result, it kind of unlocks some memories that maybe I've repressed a little bit. And I don't mean that in a negative way, but you know how it is. It's like when you start thinking, it's like, oh, yeah, this happened and that happened. Music is the greatest, greatest time machine uh, in the world. So thanks so much for your support of the top 10 list. And thanks as always to our buddy Roy Samante. It's my friend and your friend because he puts these lists together for you for free. You can find him on Spotify under the handle Dogmatic67, D A W G M A T I C 67. And you know what? Maybe if you don't do Spotify, maybe you just want to see the list, follow Roy on Twitter, uh, also under the same handle of Dogmatic67. I'm on all forms of social media at Scout Steve R. I suspect I always will be kind of branded in that respect. But again, as always, thanks for your support of the top 10 list. All right, next segment of the show is always brought to you by Campus Bookmark, a Starkvillian institution. Campus Bookmark serving a great fan base for a long, long time. A lot of people are pretenders to the throne, but nobody has a better selection of Mississippi State merchandise than the fine folks at Campus Bookmark. Go by and see their smiling faces the next time you're in town, neatly positioned on the backside of campus. You can swing through there, pick up your Mississippi State merch, take that right on the campus. Next thing you know, you're at one of Mississippi State's historic sporting venues. If you can't make it to town, visit them on the World Wide Web, courtesy of Al Gore's Internet, at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. That's BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. That gets you free shipping. On all orders over 75 bucks, any order less than $75, absolutely incomplete. Again, that's campusbookmart.net, promo code BSR. All right. Been a lot of rumors this week that Houston High School offensive lineman William Eccles was going to announce his decision on Saturday. We haven't heard official confirmation from him one way or the other. That said, the chatter behind the scenes has been kind of at a fever pitch with him at the middle. He's taken official visits, went to Arkansas and Missouri. There's a lot of discussion about Auburn being involved with him. Some people want him as a defensive lineman. Some people want him as an offensive guard. I think he's talented enough to play on either side of the football. Uh, and I think Mississippi State will take him either way. No matter what you want to do, well, hey, we'll sign you as a guard, whatever. If you get here and you want to play the tackle, we can move you. And we've got precedent to support that. You know, Jacarius Clayton was a guy that played some as a defensive end, played a little bit as an attached tight end at Tupelo, and initially we talked about him being an offensive lineman. And he goes, you know what? I don't want to play on the offensive line. I want to play defensive line. And we said, okay, fine. If that's what you want to do, we value you enough as a prospect, so you come on in and uh, play defensive line. And, uh, and he is. And we expect big things from him. And I gave him a lot of credit. I, I think he was a good defensive line prospect, probably a great tackle prospect. But at the end of the day, if your heart is not in it, you're not going to excel at it. doesn't matter who you are, where you're from. And if that's what he wants to play, that's what he should play. I think Eccles is kind of like trying to figure this thing out. And so, been a lot of chatter uh, that he was going to commit to Mississippi State. I've heard some things in the background that says, you know what, Ole Miss is not going quietly. Ole Miss is trying to get him to commit to them and or delay the announcement. 
And here's the thing, too. If he's not exactly sure what he wants to do, there's no reason he has to decide today or tomorrow or next week or July 4th or whatever. Nothing's final until signing day anyway. And I do believe no matter what he elects to do, if he does announce his decision tomorrow, that this recruiting process is going to move forward. I don't think it's going to be a situation where everybody's going to be like, ah, I'm, I think I'm done with this kid. He's very talented. Very talented. Probably one of the more underappreciated players in the state of Mississippi. I mean, think about this for a second. I mean, he's got nearly half, half of the SEC that has extended scholarship offers to him. Right? I mean, that's an important part of this, too. And the bottom line with this is uh, he's got to decide, okay, when, do I want to go to a place like Mississippi State that has a track record of developing bigger bodies, right? Whether it be offensive line prospects or defensive line prospects. Or do I want to take a little NIL money and go to a place where if I don't turn and burn in year one or possibly two, they process me and cut me and I'm in the portal, then there's no guarantee. And yet we're talking about Ole Miss. I mean, you look at what they've done. I mean, they are among the league leaders in portal traffic. And so that's something to consider, too. Everybody's like, hey, we're going to depend on the portal, depend on the portal. What does that do to your high school recruiting? When you get a guy in and, uh, you know, immediately, immediately he's thinking, okay, well, if I don't turn and burn this year, I'm gone. Hey, a little urgency never hurt anybody. But I think it's also one of those deals where you look at and you begin to ask yourself, what's better for you long term? What's better? You know, if I go in there and perhaps I have a little difficulty picking up the scheme, I could be gone in a year. Are these people going to be committed to me and committed to my advancement, my development? Those are things you have to consider. It's not as easy as, okay, listen, we had a great time on game day. And that's one of the things that I think when you look at, you know, long term, that schools are going to use against Ole Miss when it comes to portal recruiting. I mean, you look at how many people have left that program over the last couple of years, it's like, oh, we'll just cut them, cut them, cut them. You know, what you're really saying is I can't develop them. So I want to go get some guy that's a little more college ready from the portal. I think that's good when you have an immediate need, but I don't think you can build a program that way. That's just my, my, my take on it. Maybe you disagree. That's okay. I just don't think that's any way to do things. Now, let's take a quick look at our in-state uh, scoreboard here. And what I mean by that is uh, Mississippi State running out of in-state options. You know, it's been a good start, but in order for us to get where we need to get, we're going to have to supplement perhaps where we're deficient when it comes to the in-state crop. So Mississippi State to date has extended 30 scholarship offers to in-state prospects. 30. There are just a handful left that remain undeclared. And of those prospects, many of those are not expected to be Bulldogs. What I mean by that is there are a couple guys out here that are not made a decision that either state's not going to take or they're not seriously consider Mississippi State. Let's take a quick look. All right. The running back board in state, pretty thin. You know, we're still chasing Conan Daniels. We're still chasing Daniel Hill. Conan Daniels, of course, Bit of a surprise he committed to Florida when he did, and he has maintained that commitment, taking a visit to Florida. Uh, I know that there, probably if Florida was closer, you wouldn't even bat an eye and think that's a possibility you flip him. But State's still on him. I would not run the risk, and uh, we discussed this on the, on the board uh, just yesterday. 
uh, Peanut brought that up. If I could get Daniel Hill, I take Daniel Hill. I can't lose my number two hoping to get my number one because you may end up losing both. You got to get one of those two. And so if you're not completely sold that you're going to be able to flip Conan Daniels, I think you've got to do whatever you have to do to get Daniel Hill. You can't let both of these guys get away from you. All right, San Francisco McGee. Bulldog Lean talks about making a decision later in the year. Uh, that's a guy right state is clearly the leader for. But not a lot of urgency with him. Of course, uh, he's very connected with Deontay Evans, that uh, coaches at Southwest Mississippi Community College. Deontay, of course, uh, had some great years here at Mississippi State. Left us his final year to go play at Middle Tennessee State. Still true maroon to his core. Uh, not that he's making the decision, but he's a guy that San Francisco has known his whole life. And so there's some positive influence there. I think it's just a matter of time before we add San Francisco to the class. He is a mid-level three-star, maybe a little bit upper middle, 87 in the composite. You go down a little bit further here, and there's uh, you know Markel Bell, who is the guy that's actually a junior college prospect, but he could come out this year. Or he could go back and sign in December. You know, ideally, we'd love for him to come now. I mean, he has until, uh, you know, July 6th to be here for spring workout or for summer workouts. I don't think that he would play a lot this year. He could probably come in in red shirt and then still have three years of eligibility left to play in the Southeastern Conference. Or you can go back to Holmes, play another year, and then only have two years to play on a Division One level. And Markel Bell is an exceptional talent, big physical guy massive offensive tackle prospect, but he's going to need some seasoning. You know, I, I and I, I've been told that his mother is 100% on board with him coming to Mississippi State, and he's got multiple SEC schools that are recruiting them. But some people at home are thinking, hey, let's go back. Maybe next year, if you have the year you expect to have, if you bet on yourself, then perhaps LSU or Alabama come calling next year. I just don't think that's the case. But I understand their line of thinking. It's like, hey, if I can get Mississippi State to offer now, uh, after freshman year, when he's a full qualifier, then perhaps there are better opportunities awaiting me with a solid year this year. The flip side of it is, is what if he gets hurt? He said, well, you can't play that way. Well, that's a reality of life. It's a very physical game. So what if Markel Bell goes back to Holmes Community College and gets injured? Then all of a sudden those SEC options that he covets don't materialize. That's the part of the gamble with betting on yourself. It's not just about your talent and your work ethic. There's some luck involved, too. you got to stay healthy. However, you know, if you sign with Mississippi State or somewhere else and you enroll this summer, then you have the benefit of their medical staff, and then at least you're here and part of the program, right? And so you get banged up here in practice. Well, they're gonna, their medical people will take care of you, and, and you, at least you'll be here. So when you are healthy and ready to return to form, you're already with this program. That's the decision he has to make. Now, the latest information we have is that he plans to return to Holmes uh, this fall. That doesn't mean Mississippi State's given up by any stretch of imagination, but uh, you know, he is a guy that could be a 2023 guy and be in practice at Mississippi State six weeks from now, if he chose. If not, he goes back, plays another year, and then signs with somebody in December. And yes, we would still take him in December. All right. Daniel Hill, we touched on him a little bit earlier, and uh, a lot of discussion here as of late. I, I was told that the situation, I wouldn't say was hopeless, but was not hopeful by any stretch. But I've heard here in recent days that Daniel Hill really wants to visit Mississippi State. Of course, his dad played at Mississippi State, and you'd think, well, that should be a no-brainer. It really hadn't been. It really hadn't been. 
I think a lot of it is like, hey, let's don't have any preconceived notions about what's best. Let's go through this process. I think ideally that he's going to make Alabama tell them no. He did take the visit to South Carolina, and I know that they are hopeful. But I was told that the distance from home is a concern for Daniel Hill. Well, if that's the case, if geography is a big factor in a decision, then Mississippi State is just up the road. And so I do think there is a good chance that Daniel Hill and his father will be on campus. We have our cookout event in uh, the month of July. Michael Johnson Jr. spoke with him yesterday out of uh, South Panola. Michael, a guy that had a really big uh, junior season, unable to really participate in camps this summer, ended up having to have sports hernia surgery. You hate that, man, especially for a young guy like that that's trying to prove himself. The kid can really play. Is he a safety? Is he a wide receiver? I don't know. He's going to play quarterback at South Panola this year. An exceptional athlete, maybe a guy that we look at late. It's kind of dependent on how things work. I do think that he is an SEC caliber athlete. Is he an SEC caliber receiver or safety? I don't know yet. But I know that Chad Bumpus is on him very hard, and we haven't pushed him to commit. We want to see him. We want to see him in person uh, after make sure he's fully healed this fall. So we'll see how things kind of develop, uh, you know, with him. Of course, we touched on William Eccles in the beginning of our segment. You know, six two and a half, nearly three hundred pounds, uh, in eighty seven point five in the composite, ranked in the top twenty in Mississippi. A guy that's got a ton of offers. A guy whose uh, best days of football are ahead of him, and so it's important to kind of understand how significant tomorrow could be. If you get him, you're still gonna have to fight to keep him. If you don't get him, you're going to have to fight to flip him. I'd much rather play defense than offense when it comes to recruiting. I'd rather have them in the, my boat because they picked my school over the other school for a reason. There's a lot of that chatter out there, especially on the Ole Miss side. It's like, well, you know, we don't really want early commitments. Yes, yes, you do. Yes, you do. And if that's the philosophy, I think you're going to be disappointed come signing day. But William Eccles is a guy that I think there are several schools that would take right now because guys his size don't typically move the way he does. Not especially rated high, but very coveted by SEC programs. All right, then there's Kamari and Franklin. State's really never really been a factor with them. We got him on campus, but uh, one time he was considered a top player in the state. I like him a lot, and I've shared that on the show before. you got to get better playing to run, but he is an elite pass rusher. Uh, he is a guy, too, that I think the best football is ahead of him. If he stays in state, it'll be Ole Miss. But a lot of people have shared that they believe that he ultimately will head out of state. And maybe that's the case. Uh, but I know that Kamari Ann Franklin is a guy that can really play. And uh, he is a guy that uh, has a lot of potential. And, and I know Tennessee was on him really hard. Uh, so we'll see how things go. Miami was another school. He's taken multiple trips down to South Beach. Uh, it's interesting, too. You know, a lot of the schools that he's involved with are ones that are very, very, very NIL heavy. Alex Foster, we spoke about him. And I really believe, you know, with Tyler Carter having the big camp showing, he surpassed Alex on the wish list. And I think Alex is a guy that will ultimately end up going somewhere else. Uh, State obviously could come back on him later in this process, but I don't get the sense that State is pushing him for commitment. Now, there's some other guys out there within the State that may play their way into an offer that don't have one just yet. But of the guys that State has offered in State, that's who has yet to declare. So we're only talking about a handful of names. That's an important thing to kind of understand, too. I mean, so as a result, we're going to have to go fill our needs out of state, by and large. And again, there are some guys that will play their way in, and we'll talk about that on another show. I like what we've done, but in order for us to stay in the top 20 and certainly in the top 25, 
Uh, we're going to have to go get some guys from out of the state that are exceptional football players. Uh, where does that come from? You know, maybe that comes from Alabama. We've had some success over there. Maybe it comes from Louisiana. Uh, I think, you know, by and large, you could meet most of your needs in state. You would have to flip some prospects like Tristan Jernigan from Tupelo, a linebacker that's currently committed to Texas A&M. That's a guy I think certainly that uh, you got to stay on. You got some connections there. You just got to get things done. That's an important aspect of this. And there's two linebackers in the class, too. You know, we, uh, Caleb Dozier is a guy that's listed as an athlete. Uh, the other day I mentioned one linebacker. We have two, Fred Clark and then, of course, uh, Dozier. And so you'd like to take one more, and I think Jernigan fits. I think you'd love to have him. Julius Pope is a guy that we've uh, offered. He's currently committed to Arkansas. A lot of discussion about him being a running back, about him being a safety. Uh, I think that he, in the right scheme, he could be a Willie-type guy, but he is six foot, 195 pounds, and that may be six foot with the hair. Uh, but he is a very physical football player and uh, plays you know, with Michael Johnson. That, that could be a very formidable duo in the backfield for South Panola this year. A team that hadn't won an Apple, excuse me, a state championship since 2014. Can you believe that? We've almost got a decade without South Panola. It seemed like every year that was the, that was the rub, right? Every single year you expected South Panola to win. This hadn't been the case in, uh, in recent years. But that's your in-state kind of recruiting update here. I think it's one of those deals, too, where you, you start looking through this and you start thinking, okay, we've done great, but where do we go from here? And that's the big question I think Mississippi State's got to figure out. Of course, we've unearthed some diamonds in a rough over in Alabama. Caleb Dozier's a guy that uh, I think is much better than his offer sheet indicates. And then, of course, there's uh, Jay Lindsay that when we took him, everybody was kind of scratching their head, and all of a sudden Alabama offers him, and you're thinking, wait a minute here. I really want to keep him now, right? You know, so a handful of other guys around the state that are uh, committed to other programs. But, you know, I think Damian Miller is a guy, too, that's committed to Southern Miss that could be out of Port Gibson, uh, could be a guy that could play his way into a Bulldog offer. But, again, we'll, we'll spend some time on that uh, on another show. I think there's a lot of guys within the state this year that maybe aren't getting their just due when it comes to a media standpoint. It's a very, very, very deep year in Mississippi. I don't know that we have the headliners that maybe we were supposedly were having in 19, but this is a year where you could have as many as, uh, you know, 50-plus players sign a Division I scholarship. Uh, Chris Jones has got a Hartfield Academy. Maybe a little bit undersized for us, but I tell you what, that kid committed to Southern Miss. I think that's going to be a kid in three years. Everybody's going to look back and say, hey, why didn't State no Miss take that kid? Yeah, I think he is going to be uh, that caliber of player. But, uh, again, there is value in, in the top 15, and there's value in the next 15. And that's where I think State has got to really make our hay. We've got to do a good job uh, with those guys on the back end of this. Uh, reminder, too, if you hadn't done so, go to dogpilethebook.com, and uh, you can get most of my sports books there. That's Dogpile, Alpha Dogs, and uh, Flim Flam. Starkville ones is completely sold out. You'll have to find it from a store. And uh, warehouse is completely de depleted. Alpha Dogs will be the next to go. Uh, I think there's uh, less than 30 copies left. So if you hadn't bought that, you need to make a move. Uh, and soon we'll have a uh, pre-sale page for When the Bottom Falls. And uh, interest in this book has been... Um, very rewarding. I'm very grateful for so many people that have provided so much encouragement. You know, people in recovery and people that love somebody in recovery or people that love people that are suffering with addiction. And my hope is this book can kind of, uh, you know, give some insight into what it's like to live with addiction. 
and the things that perhaps you can do, you know, to help someone that you love that may be impacted by addiction. Of course, Blooms of Oleander available through Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, BooksMegan.com, and in great bookstores all around the state of Mississippi. Once it's gone, it's gone, though. I did not renew that one, and um, it's the only book I've ever self-published, contrary to popular belief. But uh, so pretty soon, you know, two of the five books. Well, I guess technically three of the five books will not be available for purchase. They'll go out of print. And again, we'll do a short run, maybe of villains and alpha dogs in the future. But, um, and that's it. You know, once they're gone, for the most part, they're gone. So there's no guarantee to ensure that you get one. Uh, you need to make a move sooner rather than later. Let's talk a little baseball too. Uh, hearing that Mississippi State is closing in on a third base commitment. People are like, Steve, what about the name? Well, to be honest with you, I don't want to jinx it. Because I know what's going to happen as soon as I mention a name, like 50 people are going to go out there and follow the kid on social media. And, uh, you know, I just don't want to be a situation where, you know, we, we viol- violate the confidential nature of our sources. So when we hear things, we want to share as much information as we can. But it does appear that State is closing in on third baseman. Of course, with uh, Slate Offer leaving going to Georgia, then um, – you know, we've got a it's wide open. You know, so whoever we sign out of the portal shows up day one expected to take over in the starting lineup. And so you're looking for a guy that can defend, and you're looking for a guy that's got a little power. And that's the thing you begin thinking about. Uh, if, you, if you get the certain dominoes to fall just right for you, maybe you can trend a little more defensively there. I can tell you this, Dylan Cup is a guy we do expect to come to school. Dylan Cobb may go down as one of the best defensive shortstops we've ever had at Mississippi State. That's how talented he is. You know, the bat's got to come along a little bit, and it will. He's a very big physical athletic guy. He's an alpha dog, too. Everybody I talk to says this is the kind of guy that you build the program around. This is the kind of guy that holds guys accountable when the coaches aren't around. He is the kind of guy that expects to win and wants to win and will do whatever it takes to win. And so I think Dylan Cup is probably a guy that shows up, starts it short, Mershon goes to second. Not that he doesn't have the arm or the range to play short. I think it's just a little more natural for him at second. Uh, but I'll tell you this, if Cup is as advertised, because you know what we got with Mershon, and so good to his right, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough up the middle of Mississippi State. If I had to fill it out today, you know, based on what we currently have, and, the, you know, if, assuming we survive the draft here, uh, I think opening day lineup is probably Bryce Chance and left. Connor Hyzak in center, and Dakota Jordan in right. And that, that's his future Major League Baseball position, in my estimation. That kid's got a cannon for an arm. You've seen it. This is a guy, too, that, uh, you know, when that, that ground ball leaks through the right side, and that guy tries to take that extra base and go to third, Dakota's the kind of guy that can gun him down. It's an important part of this thing. I think defensively, Dakota's a guy that's a little bit underappreciated. But you start running through the numbers there, and you start thinking, okay, if that's the outfield, you get your portal third baseman cup at short, Mershon at second, Hines at first, you know who's behind the dish, Ross Highfield. I mean, you start thinking about the pieces we have coming back and kind of melding these things together. That's the thing I think about, you know, Bryce Chance. Yeah, with Kellum Clark, you know, basically in a contract year for us. I mean, you know, you had to sit somebody, and Dakota Jordan, the way he exploded, Bryce Chance is the guy that gets injured, and he sits down, and Connor Isaac didn't get enough ABs last year. I, mean, I think we all admit that. We all know that. And we tried him some at third, tried him some at DH. But this is a guy I believe he plays every day is going to be, you know, a 10-home run guy. I think it's a guy that can hit 10 bombs driving 40 runs without a lot of trouble. 
And so you start running the numbers there and you start thinking, okay, this isn't a lineup that should be fairly offensive. So we don't need as much as I think some people need, think we do. You know, if Braden Montgomery goes in the portal, and I'm, I'm told that he probably will right at the deadline, you got to go get him. I mean, you got to do whatever it takes. You know, I, I don't know how much NIL money that's going to command, but we need to go get it done. Because Braden Montgomery is a Mississippi guy. He knows Hunter Hines. He knows Ross Highfield. knows Dakota Jordan. He is a Mississippi kid. Uh, and all of a sudden, you, if you add Montgomery to the mix there, that really changes some things. I mean, really changes some things. That's another 10, 10 home run, 40 to 50 RBI type guy. And if, if, it, if it were me, I'd have him hitting two-hole. Mershon leading off, Montgomery hitting second, Hines hitting third, Dakota hitting fourth, and maybe my hard-hitting portal third baseman hitting fifth. You know, you start putting these things together, you begin to realize from a defensive and an offensive standpoint, we're not that far off because the two guys that led us in errors have moved on. Lane Forsyth, congratulations to he and his family. Uh, now headed to Oklahoma State. Wish him the absolute best. Uh, Lane's a guy that worked exceptionally hard for us. And just for some reason this year, just kind of fell apart defensively. And uh, hopefully the change of senior will be good for him. Maybe we'll see them in a regional some way. Uh, but you begin to think about you know, defensively how many times, too, that our pitchers had to go out there and throw additional pitches because we couldn't play defense. And that's, you know, again, it starts at pitching, but it doesn't end there. And that's the thing. When you've got a pitching staff that is somewhat fragile, you got to play behind them. And we didn't do it so many times last year. And uh, sometimes we were trading defense for offense and it didn't work out for us. That's a huge part of it. But all of a sudden, if I'm a pitcher, and now all of a sudden I've got a ground ball going to the left side, and I've got a guy that's an elite shortstop defensively in Dylan Cup. And all of a sudden I get – if I just have an average third baseman, all of a sudden my confidence level shoots through the roof. Mississippi State is a team last year made 65 errors. 28 of those are between two players. Dave Mershon had eight. He's a freshman. And a, a handful of those came at third base, you know, a place that was kind of unfamiliar. Amani had six. Colt Ledbetter had four. Overran a couple balls. Dakota Jordan had four. But, you know, you, you live with some of that, right? But when you've got two guys that play side-by-side that are committing double-digit errors, and it is a right-handed dominated league, you got guys pulling a ball to the left side over and over and over again, and you got guys that can't make plays, what do you think it does at a conference in your pitchers? I go out there and roll up a ground ball and I can't get out of it, and the next thing you know, I got to face a left-hander and I got to work through all this and navigate through all this. I end up throwing 10, 15 more pitches. Well, you do that in a couple of innings, next thing you know, it's a four-inning stint. It's a five-inning stint. And how many times last year did we have a chance to get out of a big inning or what appeared to be a big inning because we couldn't turn two? Balls hit to the left side. I mean, I can't count how many times that um, you know, ground balls hit the slate and we got a chance for a 5-4-3 double play and we can't turn it. And other times we wouldn't even take the out at third. I mean, a lot of it becomes mental with kids. It does. And listen, Slate's a guy that's got some talent. It just didn't come together for him here. Maybe it will at Georgia. You know, I don't, I don't know. But I know this, that leaky defense kept a very fragile pitching staff on the bump longer than they had to. And so when you begin to think about these things coming together, you know, defensively us being a better team, just, you know, addition by subtraction. And all of a sudden you bring in Cup, who is elite, and just again, just bring in an above average third baseman, all of a sudden, you know, that aspect of the game gets better. 
And then I think we spend the rest of our time you know, trying to get arms. And there's new arms going in every day, every single day. Now the guys are back from Omaha. we still got two weeks to figure this thing out. Uh, there'll be names that'll be going in the portal. You know, there have been some names that have popped up here in the last couple of days within our own league that we want to look at. And let's be honest about this. I mean, there, there is no Paul Skeens. There is no Waldrop in the portal. There's no Thatcher Hurd in the portal. And Thatcher Hurd was a guy that really struggled at times this year but really found it at Omaha. And that's a guy that when he left UCLA, people are like, you know what, this kid, his back injury has been an issue for him. He kind of he got it figured out. He, he didn't pitch well against us. But when he got in the postseason, he figured it out. I've got some scouts telling me he could be a first-round draft pick next year. He's the Friday night guy at LSU next year. Speaking of LSU, I don't, I don't think they're going to be the factor with, uh, with Luke Holman that some people think. That's a former Alabama Friday night guy. I think State's right there in the middle of that thing. I don't really know who all we're competing against, but I don't think it's going to be LSU. I don't think that. And of course, you know they may come back later and up their NIL offer, but I don't think that's the case. You know, Luke's got to get this thing right, too. And I've been told he would like to stay in the Southeastern Conference. He's not married to that idea, but he's, he'd like to stay in the conference. Well, we're right down the road. So, Luke, even if you've got a girl you're dating in Tuscaloosa, you know what? 82 is always uh, available to you, right? Jump on 82. She can come see you. You can come see her. No clue. But uh, I would not ever sell the, uh, the young ladies of Mississippi State short, for sure. Yeah. We're, you want to find a girlfriend, there's plenty of them here. Plenty really on every college campus. I would submit to you that Mississippi State women are the best, though. Uh, but all that said, we got a lot going on. And, of course, Dakota Jordan, you know, we had the uh, on-again, off-again thing where he goes in the portal, comes back out the next day, and then makes his uh, NIL declaration yesterday. And, uh, yeah, that's good. Even though it was already reported that he withdrawn from the portal, it's good to see him come out and make the comment, hey, me and my teammates should be ready for next year. Uh, I would never give up a chance to wear the M over S. And, and let, me, let me share something, too, about this, because I get so tired of seeing this. Guys, this was not about money. And you say, that's easy for you to say. Well, you know, I'm talking to the principals. It wasn't about money. It wasn't about an NIL deal. It wasn't some cash grab. I don't want Dakota Jordan to be unfairly maligned and people think, oh, well, he just wanted to get more money from us. That's just not true. It's not true. And you know how I know? Because I'm talking to the people that are in charge of those kinds of things. This wasn't in case, it wasn't the case. But every time that you said something out about Dakota Jordan, our fans will say this about our player as if they're some sort of authority. Oh, it was in his heart and it's money. No, that's just your opinion. And your opinion is wrong. I would tell you if it was an NIL deal. Don't you think it serves our needs better if we came out and said, hey, all these schools chased – Dakota Jordan, but the Bulldog Initiative and Charlie Winfield, they were able to navigate through that and, and keep him home. Wouldn't that be a better deal for us? Right? Wouldn't if, if we were if this was all some, you know, you know, publicity stunt, wouldn't it be better for us to go out there and say, look at what we did to keep this star player in Starkville? Aren't our needs better served with that narrative? But instead, we're coming out here. Why is it so hard to believe that a young man loves it here? Didn't you love it here? Don't you love it here? Did anybody have to pay you? But, Steve, the circumstances are different. Maybe it's not. I mean, how many people say, you know what, I would never have gone to Ole Miss. I'd go to Mississippi State. I'd pay to go to State if I'd go to Ole Miss for free. And maybe that's how he feels. Why can't we give this young man credit for making the right decision for the right reasons? 
Why does it have to be some underlying thing? Well, we're, we're basically besmirching his character. Our own fans. I'm telling you, it's not about money. If it was, I would tell you. I've got no reason to lie to you. It's not my money. Of course, we went out there and raised almost $30,000 for the Bulldog Initiative, but I never told Charlie Winfield how to spend it. I was like, Charlie, here you go. You can decide where you need it. If you need it for women's golf, use it in women's golf. If you need football, use it for football. If you need basketball, whatever. I don't care. I just want to help. But don't you think as much as we preached NIL, we could use this basically as an advertisement and say, hey, guys, this is why you need to give the Bulldog Initiative. For moments like this, when other schools came calling trying to poach a player off your roster, the Bulldog Initiative stood in the gap for you, and thanks for your contribution because you were a part of this. Doesn't that sound better? It does. But it's not what happened. Dakota Jordan is at Mississippi State because Dakota Jordan wants to be at Mississippi State. And unlike a lot of college players, uh, Dakota Jordan doesn't need NIL. Dakota Jordan's going to be a multi-millionaire in about 13 months. That kid is a stud. So why would he leave his friends, leave his opportunity to play at his dream school for a year and really gain nothing from it than a few bucks? You're like, oh, well, Steve, he's getting, you know, some NIL money, and, and, and he deserves it. But my point being is this wasn't some situation where he created some bidding war. Dakota Jordan will play baseball for a long time provided he stays healthy. Why would he be a sucker for the quick reward? Why would he leave Ross Highfield? Why would he leave Hunter Hines and the fans and people that he loves just to go put a few extra dollars in his pocket? And so, but Steve, you don't understand. No, I don't think you understand. There are a lot of people that put that uniform on, and it means more than the money ever could. You go ask some of the guys that have worn the M over S, guys that have played here, guys that have been a part of some amazing moments. You don't think Jake Mangum, if they said, hey, Jake, you got one more year to play at Mississippi State. You know what? It's going to cost you $25,000. Jake would write the check today. You think that's about money? No. You got players every year whose parents pay for them to play because they want to play at Mississippi State. It's not a full scholarship sport. And it frustrates me that when a guy does the right thing for the right reasons, even our own people can't give him credit for it. It's like, that's one thing I give all most people credit for. I, I will. I absolutely will. <clears throat> there are some of their people, you know, anything happens, true or untrue. It's always about the power of all Miss and the lure of their campus and how great, you know, they always pray, whether they're right or wrong, they take a lot of pride in what they do. I don't know why we always have to find some way to, to make it negative. It frustrates me. It really does. You don't think that Will Clark and Rafael Palmero, you don't think, the, I mean, those guys got scholarship and books. People are like, oh, but Steve, you don't understand. I don't think you do. Those guys came here for an opportunity to play great college baseball and then hopefully parlay that into a professional opportunity. The Dakota Jordan's probably going pro no matter where he goes. He could have probably gone to Alcorn and turned that into a pro career because he is that talented. He could be as one of the more talented guys that's ever played here. I think when he gets in the big leagues, we're going to be like, holy smokes, that guy's one of ours. So glad he was a Bulldog. So let's not undersell the kid. Let's not make it seem like that he did this for the wrong reasons, because he didn't. He didn't. I think it's, and, I, and I'm going to keep preaching that because it's true. It's absolutely true. 
baseball season will be here before you know it. It's pretty crazy to think about that. You know, hey, we'll, uh, the portal will close on July 13th. Uh, first day of second session classes begins on July 6th. Of course, there's a drop-ad date there. And then, of course, we got fall enrollment. Before you know it, man, we'll be in fall scrimmages. And some of that will happen during football weekends. And it'll work out where maybe perhaps you can go watch a football game on Saturday, spend the night Saturday night, and go watch the Diamond Dogs play. It'll be fun. Let's all be a part of that. And, again, we've got to support all of our teams. You know, listen, we all have our favorites. We do. But when you begin to think about what's happening with Chris Jans on men's basketball, what's happening with Sam Purcell on the women's side of things, we've got a lot to be excited about. So why do we have to kind of insert some negativity when we've had a really good year outside of baseball, and now we're starting to get some good news. We get Dakota Jordan back and Hunter Hines back. You go out and get Justin Parker from South Carolina. It's not like we went and got a former SEC coach. We went and got a sitting SEC coach. And just be patient with the portal. You'll have some names soon. Just kind of sit in there, chill. The 13th isn't the deadline. That's the last day to go in. But guys can wait and commit all the way up to fall enrollment. You know, of course, we'd like to have them in sooner rather than later. Like them have them announced and then enroll for second session summer school and, you know, work with our, our guys and get excited. That would be, you know, the best case scenario. But the reality of it is it doesn't always work out the way we want it to. I'm just encouraging you to be patient, trust in your coaches. All right, that's going to do it for today. Thanks so much for your support of the Boneyard. And, again, as always, come join us over at jeanspage.com, uh, the Mississippi State affiliate for 247 Sports. You guys have a great weekend. It's hot. Be careful. Drink plenty of non-alcoholic water. Get hydrated. Don't overdo it out here trying to celebrate too much. And the next thing you know, you turn a holiday weekend into a crisis. I mean, how many times do you see it? You go to the beach and somebody's sitting there sipping on an all cold one all day long and they get dehydrated. So make sure you're cutting some of that beer with some water. Your body needs hydration. But enjoy your family this weekend. Enjoy. I'm going to enjoy mine, what's here. You know, That's the thing about life sometimes is the older you get, the more scattered the kids become. And uh, we're planning a big trip together and celebrate our granddaughter's birthday. We've got everybody coming in. It's going to be a great time. But uh, the reality of it is is that uh, we only live a finite time in life, and we need to make sure that the people that we love know that we love them. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies, and people can see a difference in the way we live. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.